No. I'm not worried at all. I rely on God, Allah. Bismillah, alhamdulillah, wassalatu wassalamu ala rasulillah. Welcome to today's episode of the podcast. We have a very special guest with us today. And uh, there's a little bit of a history with me and this uh, particular guest that I will talk about, inshallah, shortly. This is a born bred uh, Muslim from the United States, born from uh, born in Brooklyn and now are residing in uh, Florida. This particular sheikh has studied all over the world in Mecca, Mauritania, Senegal, Egypt. So he has a very big world perspective. Uh, not only is he a U U.S. citizen, but he's been in the Muslim world. So he brings a very, very unique uh, perspective. Uh, he's a teacher. He's a former Marine. Uh, there are many things that I can say about the sheikh, but I want to get started right away because we have been itching to get started ever since we've been linked up right now. So, assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh, Sheikh Abu Toba. Welcome to the podcast. Barakallahu fikum, jazakumullah khair, wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. So, Sheikh, uh, firstly, uh, again, to um, let the viewers know, we just discussed this just briefly right now. It's been 10 years Thank since you. we last spoke. Uh, we spend time together. We broke bread together. And in 10 years, the world is very, very different and it's changed dramatically. You have personally been through a lot and you've been through some very um, trying experiences that I want to discuss as well, uh, inshallah, during the course of the episode. But there is obviously just in the past two months unprecedented world events uh right now uh the sheikh just uh, informed me that you can hear uh the rioting bullets the protests uh in the back you know in, in the background and we are seeing again nationwide protests and discussions on racism in canada those discussions are also happening uh, obviously at a different level there are some smaller protests but there are massive protests right now in the United States. And this is not nothing. Uh, this is new. We, we saw some of these protests coming out a few years ago in Ferguson. Prior to that, we, we saw protests coming out uh, in Los Angeles, Rodney King. Prior to that, uh, we've seen a whole era of civil rights protests. So this is nothing new to the American fabric. But this is very unique in the sense that it is in the backdrop of a worldwide pandemic. And this is also, I would say, uh, a very unique time in history because it is happening to the most powerful nation uh, on the earth right now, the most militarized nation on the earth. And so we see uh, these historical events unfold in front of our eyes, Sheikh how are you coping? How are you faring during this time, uh, you and your family? Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. Anybody who is a Pan-African in the United States is afraid mm. and understands really what's going on. Everybody has been consistently traumatized over and over and over again every time we see these events happening. And no one can say that they are all right. You know, this is this is like PTSD over and over. And we have a president, President Trump, who is constantly uh, being divisive mm. 
mm. saying very racist things and setting the tone that was set in the 50s and the 60s. This is, this is what it means to make America great again, and mm. that is to enslave and to dehumanize uh, the, the people of color in the United States. So we're coping because we're surviving. If you can de define you know, the Africans' experience in the United States in one word, it's resistance. We've constantly resisted. We resisted being captured. We resisted on the ships. We resisted over here. You know, we kept our deen. Look how many of us are coming back to Islam after hundreds of years of slavery. Mm. So we're still resisting and we'll continue to resist. You know, inshallah, tabarak wa ta'ala. So, uh, Sheikh, uh, you mentioned that uh, President Trump being very, very divisive. Now, I have a... Uh, an important question I want to ask you, but prior to that, because you mentioned this, prior to this important question that I want uh, to ask you, I think that can get some lessons for our viewers, is that President Trump is very clear and open in a lot of his rhetoric, correct? So he's very clear in terms of a lot of his divisive language, uh, his signaling uh, to uh, racist organizations and people or people who have those types of proclivities. So he's pretty open with that. Now, one of the reasons why the world was so outraged with what happened to George Floyd, one of the biggest reasons is because it was so clear and it was out in the open. It, it, it wasn't, that's, that's not what set it off. Like that, that, that was the lightning rod, right? Wasn't it that you saw it? If it was hidden, would it have the same effect? You know, we see that every day. That's the thing. No, no, no. I say you see what, that, what, but the world what? doesn't see that necessarily. Right. I, okay. I get your point. Yes. See, there's yes. there's two things that happen. So, no, the point the point I want to make, uh, Sheikh, is this: is that you saw it very clearly. You had a because you, like you said, and I agree with you. That happens. That's a daily reality for many people, and it's hidden. Uh, there's a daily reality of what that uh, woman did, um, Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper. Amy Cooper. What she did, and I talked about it in a previous episode of this, uh, of utilizing the system uh, for your benefit. To the white right. We call it right? the white right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So white privilege. I'm sorry. White privilege is what yeah. we call it. So, so this has been going on and we've been talking about it and people are like, oh, really? That that really happened? Is it that bad? Is it that pervasive? That's true. Like so so when it's clear and out in the open and naked for the world to see, then you can't hide from it. You can't give an excuse. For, oh, no, it was something else. Oh, no, he was trying to defend himself. That cop was trying to defend himself. Oh, no, AP Kumar, she might have thought she was threatened. It was so clear and blatant. There's no excuse now for you to not stand up for justice. And that's why I feel that in a sense, there is a benefit to have somebody who is clear and open like that, like Trump in the White House, because it's clear. It's clear because, remember, Black Lives Matter happened during the Obama administration. You had uh, many high-ranking officials uh, who were black in the Obama administration. And there were fundamental oppressions, oppressions that were happening during the Obama administration. But it's again, it's like, oh, he speaks very clearly. Maybe we don't need to uh, like it's not clear in our face that uh, there is these fundamental structural issues that now need to be addressed. There's no excuses for that. That's 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 all I'm saying is that is there 
uh, a uh, essentially a benefit for having somebody who is clearly divisive like this. So you can't hide behind any. You can't hide behind this veil of righteousness when inherently your system is oppressive. You understand what I'm saying? I do. And I, what I'm saying is that true. It is true that, and we don't call him President Trump. We call him President Chump. Yeah. Okay. So uh, having a person like him, it is good because, you know, like you said, he's open with him. But he's a pawn as well. Yes. He's only the mouthpiece for a system that is going on pr promoting the same thing they've been promoting, mm. which is, you know, the destruction of what we call black lives or Pan-African people. Mm. You have uh, a long-standing uh, policy in the United States of killing and, and diminishing black people. That's, that's mm. just straight up. Now, yes. the problem with the Muslims is that we are not Islamic on these issues, okay? Mm. We want to, when we, you know, it's very, it's very, you know, saddening for uh, Africans in the United States. Whenever the Philistines want help, we stand out and we march with them. Mm. Whenever the, 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 the Syrians have a problem, we stand out, we fight for them. Anybody, we're Ansar to everybody that comes into the community from anywhere else, and we're there for them and everything. But when it's time for us, you don't you'll hear crickets out of some of these communities. Mm. You know, you, I don't hear Amja, I don't hear any of the, the Canadian Islamic Council, I don't hear the Desi community, I don't hear the Arab community, I don't hear any of these people saying anything. The only ones I see are the Somalians in, in Minnesota, the Oromo in Minnesota, those people who are there and they're fighting. But I don't hear these other people denouncing and screaming and hollering like we do when they have problems. To this, to also, I think one thing should also be considered, uh, Sheikh, to qualify that unfortunately, 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 there's a general trend of not speaking out on any issue by the Muslim community, on any issue. Uh, the Palestinian issue, uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, uh, in the universities, the average Muslim student was much more knowledgeable of what was happening uh, in regards to the Palestinian issue. I do regular halakat and campuses I deal on a daily basis with university students. They have no idea or clues about the current situation of the Palestinians, nor do they know about how the legislation students. is being I'm, changed. I'm not talking about the students. I'm talking about the adults because the students yeah. are out there. Oh, the imams, the imams are all scared. They're scared to talk about anything political. The masajid are very, very scared to talk about anything political. Uh, you get more non-Muslims and many issues speaking out for Muslim rights than you have many Muslim organizations do, you know, until it becomes trending, until it becomes a trending issue, uh, Sheikh, and you're smiling because you know it. Right now, many misogynists are now saying, hey, we should speak out about racism. No, and because it's because a lot of them trending. are racist. You know, we, we don't want to deal with the fact that, sadly, Muslims are racist. You know, we have racism in Islam. It's not supposed to be there. Yeah. But we do have this in our Islam. Yeah. You know, I remember a friend of mine, He's still in Medina. He's been in Medina for 20 years now. We were at a gas station and he told us yeah. one of his Arab friends said, oh man, maybe in Jannah you'll be white because and don't feel bad that you're black. This yeah. type of ignorance. Yeah, this ignorance, Chef. Yeah, we yeah. have, I'm serious. So, so we, what the problem is, we don't want to address it in Islam. We want to pretend like it doesn't exist, but this is part of not, the not problem. Not Islam, Sheikh. We should say Muslims. 
because you're right. We should that, say Islam. That, that, I mean, sorry, Muslims. You're, that, that, you're right. We should say Muslims. Yeah. Because it's not Islam. Islam is perfect. Yeah. It's, but it's, because we're, it's we're systemic the of jahiliya. You know, Sheikh, racism is systemic of jahiliya. As our Rasul advised, you know, uh, Abu Dhar, he says, you still have that jahiliya in you. Nah. So jahiliya uh, is uh, one of the, see, that's like, say, the disease, the root is jahiliya, is ignorance. And so the symptoms you're going to see. It's rejecting the truth and looking down on people. That's yeah. that kibr, that yeah. arrogance. That, this is yeah. what that is. Yes. You know, Allah's message, he, he clearly defined what it is. And what I'm, I, I like to point that point just to make a, some clarity. Mm. You know, nowadays you hear some people who claim to be following the Salaf. Yes. And other people who claim to be following the Sunnah saying that, oh, we, we don't protest. I don't know where they get that from. Yes. What do you say when the Prophet Sallallahu he spoke about the Hilf al-Fudayl? Yes. What was that? Yeah. That was a protest. Yes. This is when the Prophet said, we, we don't understand our history and look yes. at the Sirah. Yes. Of the prophet, when there was a wrong, the prophet said, you stand up. And he said, if it was to happen today, I would do it again. This yes. is sharatan. This is pointing to the fact that it's part of amr bil ma'roof wa nahi anil munka to stand up mm. for the rights of others, mm. not just yourself. Yes. Even if he was not Muslim, it doesn't make a difference. Yes. It's upon the Muslims to lead the way in yes. that regard and to stand up for the truth. When the issue happened where a Muslim lady was killed by what was was killed by the Jew, the Muslims went to that particular place. What did that? They demonstrated, mm. they went to that place, they mm. showed up and they made their appearance felt. Yes. And the Prophet told them, Don't sleep until don't pray Asa mm. until you get to the, the Meccan al Yahud. Yes. What is that? They made it Idhar. You know, mm. they came out and showed up and appeared. And mm. if someone was to do something to someone in my family, yes. I would expect my brothers to come with me to the police station yeah. or come with me to the hospital or come with me to the place and stand yes. up in unison and say, hey, we want righteousness. We want justice for my people. So it's mm -hmm. very, it's very ignorant and very, you know, sometimey when we use the sunnah to say, and, and this is what I, I have a, a, a problem with people who claim to follow in the sunnah, mm. when really they're not, they're just being making taklid, mm. making taklid of maybe Saudi Arabia, or they're mm. making taklid of the, the colonizers. And we don't want to address the fact that some of these people who we're making taklid of mm. are, are traitors. Yes, yes. Okay, and have been traitors since the end of the Ottoman Empire. Yes. And we don't know our history to tie it to our Islamic fiqh. Yes, yeah. And we keep thinking that these issues if, are not related, if, but they're if, all if related. Sheikh, if there is no hijab, there is no barrier between the dua of the oppressed the oppressed good word the oppressed whether muslim or non-muslim to allah <laughs> then why are we making barriers for ourselves to do what you said to standing up uh for the haq standing it, up for Amr Maruf Nehl munkar you know what i mean just to answer your question the only answer is our own ignorance our own naivety our mm. own self-righteousness our mm. own not recognizing that we are rejecting the truth and looking down on people yes so, yeah. you know, what you know, and there's another issue I'd like to point out because you mentioned it, if yes. I may. Yes. You yes. mentioned that there's two things going on right now. You said there's a pandemic yes. and then there's this thing right here. They're both the same thing. What mm -hmm. what a lot of immigrant Muslims do not realize yes. is that there is a group in the United States called PAG, okay, mm -hmm. political activist group. 
This mm. is a military group. Mm. And what PAG, that we used to call it the pig, just playing mm. against, because it is a propaganda inciting group. And now mm. this group's job is to cause division, make things happen, make fake newspapers, mm. uh, events, in order to get to their end, their goal. Mm. The pandemic was set up to put the mask on. Mm. Not that the mask was necessary, mm. but because if we look at what independent scientists are telling us how to deal with this, we don't want to recognize, and, and you won't find it in the media, that Madagascar has come up with a cure Mm. The, a cure that has been curing people, only one person dead in Madagascar. Mm. They used it in Tanzania and they emptied out five hospitals. So mm. there's really no reason for the continuation of this thing. We don't want to face the fact that this guy Gates mm. backwards engineered this virus, a mm. man-made virus, meaning mm. an RNA. It's not a DNA, it's an RNA. So this shows that this was manipulated. We don't want to talk about it. If I would have done that, they would lock me up for mass murder. Mm. But so now we put the, the mask on, we put the mm. lockdown, and yes. the purpose for doing this is to take it to the next stage. I'm a, 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 a certified member of FEMA, okay, mm. for these types of events with, with, with chemistry and everything like that that I do. Yes for poisonings and these types of things. Yes. FEMA's on the second level right now. People don't even realize it. They've gone mm -hmm. to level two. What does that mean? That means they're about to call martial law. How come? Because what they're doing right now, and we have to look at that this guy, that police officer, he's mm. not a random person. Mm. He's sometimes on the security force for Don, for this guy, Donald Trump. Okay? Mm. He's, this. these people have a connection together. Mm. So there's, it's very odd that he, this same individual kills this person in front of people on camera. We've been watching the videos of the riots, and there have been people instigating those breaking the windows, wearing full gear, going in. Now they have a reason to have all these masks on, burning and starting, doing yeah. these things. You, you have this going on, and then what's going to happen? Then they're going to say, hey, with all this wild stuff happening, I have to declare martial law. Mm. And so what's also happening at the same time while all this is happening, the New York State Board, Bar, Bar Association, and others mm. are sending in letters to the Supreme Court and to, to ask them to make a mandatory virus, depend, no matter what, if you, no one can, can refuse, either on religious bounds or not. Now, this is happening. We call this the Houdini. You make mm. this big scene over here so you could do something else over here. Mm. So while the people are doing this and then afterwards they throw you a little, you know, pacifying bone, mm. slow you down a little bit. And then they say, hey, look, it's in the public interest that we move it up to mm. martial law. It's in the public interest that we mandate this, you know, this virus, this vaccination for everyone. And we have to mandate it. And what does it do? It four times the Africans in the United States are four times more likely to die from this, mm. to go insane from this, which goes back to their Kissinger program that they mm. had in the 70s with the Carter administration, which mm. was to depopulate Africa and mm. to lessen the, the population of the Africans in the United States because mm. of this racist doctrine that they have. All mm. these things are tied together. Mm. Okay, And, and there's this, this idea that Others have, well, they think it ain't that bad. You're just a, uh, what do they call it? Uh, the, the person who's who's become a conspiracy theorist? Yes, like yes, said, yeah. I got nine years in the Marine Corps. Yeah. 
Okay? Yeah. I'm not making any of this stuff up. You can Google yeah. it. Yeah. You can Google all of You can see who filed paperwork today. The yes. New York State Bar filed paperwork today yes. to implement, to ask the governor. Now, how do you counter that? You counter that by other civilians sending letters into the court saying we do not want. Because mm -hmm. if those letters don't go in, then mm -hmm. the court's going to say, hey, we have people who are saying they want this, so we're going to do it. We don't have anybody objecting. So these are the things that are going so Sheikh, on. Sheikh, uh, uh, like few, one thing I just want to mention to the viewers, by the way, is that uh, like our like um, uh, discussion back and forth, uh, you know, can get very heated, and that's fine because I spoke like I because I lecture and I do halakat and I talk about the etiquettes of student of knowledge. So we discussed this prior with the sheikh that we're going to get heated. We're going to challenge each other, and it's going to be very, very an impassioned discussion because we want all the thoughts and ideas and go deep into subject matters that are usually shown on other mediums and forums that don't have a Muslim voice. We want those discussions and like that back and forth and that passion to come out here. So just on an aside, this is, you know, for uh, some of our uh, viewers there, because they usually know me as a guy who always emphasizes etiquette, you know, talab al-ilm and all of these different things. But this is a different, uh, you know, uh, niya for this. Is like, you know, we're we're going to go back and forth, inshallah, on this. And we want to, like, extract as much juice uh, as we can uh, from different ideas, concepts, and anything uh, that we speak about. So just as a disclaimer uh, from the beginning, me and the sheikh, we already discussed that we're going to get into it, okay? So, sheikh, this is my problem with, uh, I, I, like, between these two uh, polar opposites, towing the government or the authoritative narrative, and then you have, uh, you know, conspiratorial theories, which, again, they're, they're theories, and they're, it's not necessarily they're not realities. So I want to make sure that we understand that. They could be uh, very much realities, okay? And the truth can be sometimes in between. That's fine. What I find, Sheikh, is that when people uh, to either line, there is a level of paralysis. And what do I mean by that? Is that your a person's rejection of a narrative is not a proposition for the solution. So what is our proposition as Muslims for a solution? So say, for example, everything, okay, we know that authoritative structures inherently, there's a lot of corruption. We know there is a military industrial complex. We know that there are certain powers that be that love to manipulate, that love to manipulate the situation. You know, for example, you know who's funding and supporting and putting on their social media all these protests and Black Lives Matter? Rich white liberals and huge corporations. Citibank is funding this. Uh, you know, you have uh, Amazon funding this. You have uh, these uh, charitable foundations uh, of George Soros found, uh, you know, funding this. Uh, Ellen is proving online, oh, I'm funding, uh, you know, this, you know, Black Lives Matter and, and so forth, okay? So you have definitely, like, a lot of this superficial pandering, but at the end of the day, is it really going to result in any type of real constructive solution? So I want to go to the hadith of Rasul which says that a believer is not stung by the same hole twice. So that means that means uh, 
and, and and if we look at another quote by Einstein, for example, he says, we cannot solve our problems with the same level of thinking that created them. So if we know what the problem is, okay, say we know what the okay, this is this is what the problem is, you know, generally speaking. And say we even come to know how to solve the problem, there's still the component or the aspect of uh, having the will to do it above your own desires not to do it. You, you understand what I'm saying, Shay? So how how do we um, how do we achieve that? Because I think one of the biggest fallacies that is happening with all this activism and all this, whether it's wokeness or if you have, uh, you know, people who the different people like Muslims, non-Muslims will say different conspiratorial things. And like I said, it could be reality. I, I'm not discounting that. But what I see in all of this is something that is missing. And that is, OK, say there is even a problem. OK, put forth a solution. Put pro solution is not a proposition I, I, I have a and have the will to put yourself on the line to achieve it. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. I agree with you that talk is cheap. Well done beats well said. Being able to diagnose is not the same thing as being able to cure. Okay, so just talking about the problem is only part of it. But you have to talk about what the problem is in order for people to take a step back and maybe put things together. Mm. Okay, the uh, just for example, you said that uh, Donald Trump is went and he likes to do a lot of symbolizing. Just mm. the other day, he went to the park across the street from the White House. Mm. He gassed the people, he beat them out the way. And mm. then he stood there and held up the Bible and said, I'm going to protect this and this. And he mm. did a similar speech that what Hitler did right before he, Hitler, went mm. and implemented martial law. That's mm. symbolizing. okay? Mm. That and, and that's what people need to look up and see that you can see the exact same picture and follow what, um, what do you call it, uh, Hitler did right after he did that. And you'll see where we're talking about the, the symbolization. Mm. Now, as far as the solution, oh, well, let me get another point here first. You said Black Lives Matter and, and funding. The purpose behind those people funding Black Lives Matter is matters is to control their narrative. Mm. What they do when they put Black Lives Matters and they fund them, they include in them homosexuals and other people outs that are not part of what we, the general people, mean when we say Black Lives Matters. And so mm. they water it down and they have that control because they are funding it. Okay? Mm. So this is one of the reasons behind their fund funding. Number two or three, the solution. We have a bunch of solutions. And the problem is, again, what you stated, having the wherewithal to go the route with solving it. The first thing I suggest people should do, Africans who have dealt with racism, they should document their statement, their, their experiences in an email to the UN, the Human Rights Coalition at the UN. Send an email telling them what all the offense that happened to you. There's not a person in this country who has reached maturity, that has not had to deal with the racism. I'm talking about a Pan-African in this country that has not had to deal with racism. Mm -hmm. And even if he's not a Pan-African, 
if he's a person of color, he's had to deal with racism. And this is this is goes against the charter that the UN has set up for dehumanization, um, the the uh, dehumanizing policies, and the Human Rights Council. So they should complain. Now, do, you, do you think this is more of a symbolic uh, no, move or action, or do you think no. it will result in actually any real type of uh, I'll tell you uh, influence from the UN to do something about it? Do they even have the power to do anything about it? Uh, okay, so now what we're doing is we're playing a game of chess here. Mm. We know that the United States is the founders of the UN are the allies, okay? And they allied together to take down the real UN, which was the Ottoman Empire. And then they made a secular version of it with the United Nations. So we know where these things come from. So mm. they don't have the power, the UN, and nor will they enforce the power to mm. do anything about it. But they have signed treaties. Mm. They have signed treaties that give sanctions. If we get a thousand complaints or more of people who, who sent to the UN, then that will empower those 54 other countries, mm. African countries, that now they can say, hey, look, you, and they, and they have an initiative going on as well, that the world is bigger than five. This is the AU and the, and the other European Eastern countries, or Eastern European countries are saying, the world is bigger than five. So we want to aid them mm. by giving them the ammunition they need. I didn't just say to send it to the UN. Mm. I said also send it to the African Union. Because there's also, the African Union also has some charters, and that is to look at the state of affairs of Africans in the diaspora, okay? Mm -hmm. So we are the Africans in the diaspora, okay? And also the UN has a charter about people who are victims of chattel slavery, right? Mm -hmm. Human trafficking. Are we not the victims of human trafficking? Being mm -hmm. in this country all these years, and we still don't have the human rights, the human dignity, that are mm -hmm. given to others. So what we're doing is we're setting the stage. And then we're going to ask them to give us refugee status. Now, mm -hmm. the UN can't stop that. Can't stop another country from doing that. And not everyone will leave. But it will allow those who, who want to leave an acceptable, safe passage out in some place where they can get their quality of life. And, and lots of people understand what that is. What's different from us between the Uyghur? What's different between us the Rohingya? What's different from us from any of the people who are being, you know, slaughtered and have to be fearful to walk out their house, to be verbally abused in front of their mothers, their wives, their children, mm -hmm. slapped, beaten, mm -hmm. okay? Killed, arrested, lied about in the court, not given, a, no, this is oppression. These are human rights violations across the board. And mm. so to document them with the United Nations and then the, 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 the African Union is just step one. Step two is stop buying food and buying your things from these fast food restaurants and all these big places. We're in a place where there's a crunch for money. Now go to the mom and pop stores and get all your things. Mm. Put big business back in its place. Mm. Go to the trucks. And the mom and pop stores that are selling the food and go to the grandma who's making the fried chicken. They make better fried chicken anyway. And now you have an opportunity to have that money work in the community that you need money now. Okay. Mm -hmm. As opposed to giving it to these big corporations who are taking it out of the community every day. Make an alliance with those local farmers. Instead of going to Walmart and all these big grocery stores, go mm -hmm. to the local farmers and get your groceries and get your, 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 your vegetables and your fruits and get your, your eggs and your milk directly from them. 
This mm. will make an economy because they're not giving us a solution. We have a solution. Mm. This is the, the next step that you but, can But do. you know also, Sheikh, the, uh, you know, corporations, uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of this, they are also hip to that because what you're mentioning, support local, uh, organic, you know, all of these different things. The corporations are also hip to that to a certain degree because they have actually created brands which they try to disconnect from themselves to make it look like, oh, they're independent, they're, they're, they're mom and pop, or they're, uh, there was a big expose done not too long ago that showed that many of these farmers' markets are actually corporations that own them. And it's like the, it's the same fruits that goes to the grocery store. But they're trying to trick people to think, hey, you're supporting local farmers and organic and all of these different things. So the it's like, as you mentioned, it is a chess game. And uh, the corporations also are, they have their finger on the pulse. And they understand that this is a desire for some people to do. And so I think that's why you have some of this, quote unquote, socially conscious uh, corporative uh, initiatives. You know what I mean? And they will even create, it's crazy. They will actually create like these brands or that, that look to be independent, but are actually subsidiaries of these corporations. Yes, you know of I mean? course. We, we, we're, we're familiar with, with some of that. You know, yeah. I wasn't totally familiar with, with them doing what you said with the farmers. You yeah. know, when I go to the farmer's market, I talk directly to the farmers. Yes. Okay. And I, I, I don't see how you, you mean talk directly to the farmers mm. you know now if that's all you can do then that will still make some type of instance you do what you can with what you can and you make dua you know mm. you you mm. make work and you make dua because mm. that's that's the bottom line the, whatever we do the result is from allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mm. so but we do take by the asbab okay mm. the, the thing about it is that they don't have a a a, a, a monopoly on life. Mm. And if you do nothing, you shouldn't expect anything. Mm. Okay. So, you know, and you know, it's how do you, how do we change community behavior? You know, Sheikh, uh, during, uh, like the Palestinian issue in the minds of Muslims fluctuates greatly, you know, it goes up and down. And I remember at the height of it, uh, you know, early two thousands, uh, we were doing a lot of programs, uh, a lot of, uh, whether it's fundraising, uh, bringing awareness and we tried as one of the initiatives uh, for boycotting and so part of the Muslim community uh, was so resistant some people were so resistant on the idea of boycotting just because of the inconvenience factor or just so they're so cynical oh how can you avoid you know any of these companies that eventually support uh, you know Zionism and, and things like that so you know, people, unfortunately, like the average person, like I, I understand what you're saying, the relevance for that. But the average person who uh, is trying to work, they're trying to hustle to survive. A lot of them, they go to what's convenient for them, right? A lot of them are just whatever is convenient, whatever is easy for them to be able to manage their lives, right? And unfortunately, the mechanisms of the structures within society are in the hands of a certain elite people. And they understand that, okay, you have a few people that might act different or against the grain and those types of habits and patterns, but you're gonna be able to control the the, the vast majority of people. You this know what is I mean? what they hope. So how do we, so how do we sustain uh, this uh, grassroots resistance? How do we sustain that? Okay, alhamdulillah, when I first stated from the very beginning mm -hmm. is that your fiqh has to be tied with history, right? 
Yes. Have to know where you're coming from. No, we ain't new to this, brother. We've been resistant from day one. How do you think we got, we, that's what I said, we here have been fighting for, against South Africa since I was in high school. Mm. Divesting, and we've been divesting, and it was us as children. Now I'm 52. I know the guys my age were divesting since they were 18, 16, and 15. Mm. We're not new to this, mm. okay? We've been, we're the same children. Our parents are the ones who walked because they were going to protest from the buses because we're not going to sit in the back no more. Mm. We have a history of resistance, and all you got to do is remind us. They mm. can't do anything else to us that they ain't doing. We, mm. we say enough is enough. Mm. People are sick and tired of being sick and tired. So all you have to do, number one, is put it out there. Number two, be that what you want others to be. Be an example of that. Then mm. remind them of their history. Mm. And then you show them where they can get benefit. Like we say, hey, look, you need some money. Why are you going to take your money and give it to Bojangles when you mm. can go give it to Miss Mabel over there and Miss mm. Mabel's going to give it back to you and your son and now that money is going in the community? President Trump ain't making an economy for you, mm. but you, know, you can make an economy for yourself. So when people see where there's benefit mm. for themselves and the Muslims were the original ones mm. that were in the backbone of the Black Panthers and the Black Liberation Armies and all these different groups who were helping the community and Muslims have to go back. We've lost street credibility. Mm. We've lost street credibility. Mm. A lot of us. Yeah, you're right. We've separated you're right. ourselves from the from the people as though we go to a different toilet than they do. So the I, way and we, we separated ourselves, Sheikh, as you mentioned from our history, like the new some of the new generation that's coming up, uh, activists. I'm I'm talking about Muslims. Uh, unfortunately, their activism is very superficial. Uh, <laughs> they're disconnected, right, from the history, as you mentioned. They don't talk to Sheikh Abu Toba, who has decades of experience uh, in activism and the Dawah. You know, myself, I've been in, in it like we were protesting and doing, you know, whether it's Palestinian issues, human rights issues. You know, prior to this latest protest, we had four episodes, four or five episodes with different black shuyukh that we were talking about. Abdullah Hakim Quick, issue. I remember. Dr. Abdullah Hakim Quick, uh, Sheikh Dawood Walid, Sheikh Yafa. Uh, I did a whole uh, uh, episode just on racism, uh, uh, standalone. We were talking about this prior to this. We were talking about Ahmad Arbery, and we were talking about the history of racism. But these new guys who are coming up, they think that they're the first ones to ever speak out against injustice. Again, this is and, this is, and, and this unfortunately, their, their energy is being co-opted, Sheikh, by people who don't have an Islamic understanding, and they don't understand that there is a big difference from Islamic dawah and activism, and maybe necessarily like this superficial social media uh, woke activism, so to speak. You, you know, like I told you a little while ago, I said there's a group out there called PAG. Yes. And these groups are the colonizers who, like you said, co-opt the yes. energy of these groups and lead them in a different direction. And then they become the antagonizers for the program, the progress. You don't got to worry about them, though. All you have to do is what the Prophet ﷺ did with Suratul Munafiqeen. See, when we know, again, the Qur'an and the Sunnah is the solution for everything, mm. okay? There is nothing that we need to do but stick to the program because, you know, the whatever the Kufar do, they want to keep you in their box. But the mm. Qur'an and the Sunnah ain't in their box. Mm. So even if they know the Qur'an and the Sunnah, if we stick to it, they can't stop it.
So Allah's Messenger, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran, he exposes those munafiqun and he put the surah right after suratul Jumu'ah to show mm. that the people who left the Jumu'ah and went after the business, these were the munafiqeen mm. that caused other people to go who were not munafiqeen. And the mm. Prophet sallallahu used to give the first part of the khutbah talking about Jumu'ah and the second part of the khutbah with munafiqeen to scare the munafiqeen. So mm. what we learn from the Quran, the adab of the Quran, is that we describe these individuals. We don't got to name them. Mm. Describe them And then mm. everyone will begin to recognize you What mm. you are and what you're upon mm. And then we give da'wah We be slow mm. to take offense But always quick to reconcile Let people come back But mm. we don't stop We mm. don't stop and look sideways Because the person is confused You deal with those people who can understand And are ready to work Leggy leggy right now Okay mm. You know just recently there was this young um, Somali young man, just to give an example of the disconnect, who came on a, a the media and started saying that he did not care about the life of any black person mm. and that his wudu and his wiping over the socks and his miswack <laughs> was more important to him than, yes. than, than, than the life of these, you know, Pan-African people. And, yes. and I rejected that and I told uh. the Somali people that, look, you have to take control of that individual. Yeah. And some, yeah. I got a lot of good calls from, from my Somali yeah. friends, even my, my, my brothers in Minnesota, they told, yeah. they called me and said, we know who this guy is. And then some Somalis said, hey, Abu Chabba, why are you blaming us? I'm not blaming the Somalis. I just want to clarify. Yes. I'm not blaming the Somalis. But think about this. Yeah. We have to take control of our communities and yeah. our community members. Imagine if someone from my Timbuktu seminary was yeah. to say, I don't care about the Somalis and I don't care about anybody killed in Mogadishu. Yeah. You would say, whoever that African-American is, Abu Talba should be ashamed of himself and you'd be blaming yeah. him. We need yeah. to now start understanding that we are responsible for ourselves. Yeah. You know, Sheikh, I, I believe that, that I saw actually somebody sent me that. I'm not a uh, a social media guy like my students. They run all my social media stuff. But somebody right did too. send me that video and uh, of uh, of what you're that incident that you're talking about. And I thought to myself, I was laughing because I was like, this is such an illogical comparison. It is. You know, to, to compare your will do. Uh, it's like, I don't care about your life. I only care about my will do. I was like, for sure, this brother's not married. For sure. Imagine he said that to his wife. I don't care about you are nothing compared to my wudu and my ghusl and, you know, my miswak. You are nothing compared. She'd be like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> you know what I mean? She'd be calling her father, say, come get me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's so illogical, like, to compare. You are nothing compared to my dhikr. Uh, okay? Like, you, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, no, no, but my point was, it's clear that this young yeah. man has some mental issues. That's, yeah, that's it, what's it, clear to me. Yeah, but my, yeah, my point yeah. is that you know, my point is not him because he is, is my point is that, you know, we have to begin to understand the ramifications of speech. Yes. Now, Sheikh, Sheikh uh, Saeed Raji did a, you know, a very wonderful job of trying to clean that up and, yeah. and cleaning it up by, by making a video showing, hey, look, the Somalis are here. You know, yeah. they're out there and everything like that. But I want the, everybody to understand the damage that does. Yes. The damage that it does for the communication and the unification of hearts. And so we have to be more sensitive, as that's my point, mentioning yes. it here. Yeah. I like what you did because it shows how, how, how silly that young man is. Yeah. However, the point should, is also that 
We all must take responsibility and accountability for each other. We all have to be more sensitive towards yeah. what where we're living, you know, mm. where we're at and what's going on. If we're divided in these mm. things, as you're asking, I'm tying it together, which is how do we maintain? We mm. have to have unity. Mm. We have yes. to be, you know, I have to care about you. Because if I, you know, if I don't care about you, then yes. they're going to, it's just the rule of, of Aesop's fables. The mm. three cows, right? The three bulls, the red one, the yellow one, and the black one. The mm. cow, the, the, the lion comes and says, hey, man, you mm. stick with me, you two guys. I'm going to get that black bull. And they say, okay, we won't say nothing. And he kills the black bull. Guess mm. who he turns on next? The mm. red bull. And he yeah. tells the yellow bull, don't do nothing. I'm just going to get him. Mm. And he says, okay. And he kills the red bull. But mm. if they'd have stuck, and now it's just you and me, baby. And guess what? Yeah. You're on the diddle table. So yeah. if we don't unite and stick yeah. together, then yeah. we are going to be like those three bulls who got eaten. You know, you know, Sheikh, uh, can I humbly submit to you, I, I think, another uh, perspective uh, that we should try to inculcate and maybe revive in our community? Because I think society at large is devoid of this. You know, as Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us in the Quran, you know, "Kharqa Rahman min tafawat." Like, you don't see any uh, breaks in the creation of Allah. It's consistent, wow, okay. right? So, in Surah Al-Mulk, Ayah three, right? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, He talks about who has created the seven heavens, one above the other. Do you see any fault or breaks in the in the creation? So you see a you see a consistency, right? Uh, Our Rasul Sallallahu tells us in a hadith, "Ittaqulahaytu man kunt," that fear Allah wherever you are. What I feel is that society at large and Muslims have fallen into this as well is that we are not morally consistent. We are not morally consistent. So doing your wudu and praying your salah, you should be then consistent with you know, standing up for the human rights of others and you should be treating each and every single one of your Muslim brothers in a consistent way. So for example, if you look at um, the rights that we give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, we give the rights to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But didn't in Surah Al-Taha, Ayah 47, after uh, Musa alayhi salam went with Harun and said, we are the messenger sent to you. What is the first thing? Obey the rights of Allah. And part of that consistency is that afterwards it says, so let the children of Israel go with us. Human rights. Because to uphold the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you care about the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's, you know, to have that moral consistency is lost. Okay, you're you're standing up for civil rights and the lives of black people. What it's about civil rights? It's human rights. That's human, human rights. Okay, human rights. Okay, human rights. And for example, you have Joe Biden. He's like your only other alternative right now in terms of presidential election in the U.S. So here's Joe Biden uh, taking a knee. But Joe Biden voted for the Iraq war where over a million people were, were killed and died. Because of that, you had all this chaos and anarchy spread in the Middle East. Uh, he actually uh, was championing a police bill of rights after the Rodney King riots to protect police officers. Okay, uh, He supported a bill on mass incarceration. So I feel that generally speaking, you have this moral inconsistency. Oh, I'm going to support this group and I'm going to do this thing, but I'll be inconsistent morally on so many other issues. Can I respond? Yes. Okay. First thing, just to support what you said, you mentioned uh, the hadith 
where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, So the rest of that hadith, and I call this hadith is called the adab that you're supposed to, three types of adab, the adab you have with Allah, the adab yes. you have with yourself, and the adab you have with the rest of the creation. So Allah yes. says, This is the adab you have with Allah. To have to give Allah his rights, fear Allah, respect Allah, be mindful of Allah, no matter what your circumstances are. Wherever you are. And follow up a bad deed with a good one, it'll wipe it away. This is no. the adab you have with yourself, because that evil deed is going to come back, Yom Al-Qiyamah, as dhulumat, darkness, mm -hmm. and it's going to knock you off the bridge, right? Mm -hmm. Possibly. Right? And this is the one where you're talking about how we're supposed to be morally consistent and interact with the people, have character with khaliqunas, mix with the people in a way that is khuluq and hasana, with excellent and great moral character. Does that make sense? Yes. The Prophet was al-Amin before he became the Prophet. Yes, yes. He was a community personality before he became the Prophet. He had street credibility before he became the prophet and yes. what we do nowadays is we take pictures while we're giving food to the poor hey see i am righteous i'm giving food yeah. to the poor smile smile yeah. give me my food shut up smile. but, but, but Sheikh, they don't stop there they got to pick the right filter after you know what i mean they have to have the right after effects you know the right filter to show how pie, how pies, maybe there needs to be a glow coming from me to show the newer my action. I'm, I'm not, I'm not computer, you know, yeah. savvy, but I will say this, the rest yeah. of the statement that you said, what yeah. about the issue when you're saying we're being, you know, politically, you know, inconsistent. First of all, lots of American are not, are political punks, first yeah. and foremost. They won't step on a grape in a fruit fight. They don't understand what's going on or even the political process. And that's our fault. We have to educate them on that. Number yeah. two, the problem with the Muslims in the West and their problems, their, their political inconsistency is that we should not be in the West. And we refuse to accept that we should make hijrah from these places and go back to some other place that we can have a better quality of life than we have here. Mm. But the problem is we reject that alternative. Mm. And we say, no, there is no better place than to be with these colonizers. So we have to make a choice between which one of these evil individuals we're going to side with. And so what we about, take the Jeff, what, about, the two what about people who have left Muslim lands because of the severe oppression that they have felt and so they've come here and they've actually been able to practice their Islam much better and much more freer than they would. This is this is a lie. You know, this is this is this is a, a, a cop out. This is where we where we say, you know, we're getting real here. OK, mm -hmm. we're getting real here. What happens in the United States and on, on the United States of America side of the border is you have people who claim that they're, they're doing better in their deen, but they're doing a whole bunch of haram. We mm -hmm. go to the store and the. Uh, the Arab or the, the, the Indian guy who's over here as a Muslim is selling beer, he's selling pork, he's selling cigarettes and all the paraphernalia for weed. And, all, and then he goes and he's in the first rank in the Salah and he's looking at the African-Americans, where's your money for, for, the, for the, uh, the, the project? Where's your, I ain't selling drugs, homie. Mm. I'm, not, I'm not doing this haram. Mm. You know, and so then there's this, you know, you, you, you're doing this, you're doing that, you're doing whatever you want. And mm. saying, yo, I'm having a better life, 
but then we don't see the woman covering properly. Then this one comes home with this Kaffir. This one marries home to this Kaffir. The people lose their, their history, and we act like this is the only place you could have gone. Isn't the earth of Allah spacious enough? Didn't he make any Muslim country where you could have gotten some safety and you could have gotten some, some economic freedoms? Or one where you didn't have to compromise to the extent that you have to compromise here? No, that's a cop-out. We we, the people, for the most part, are coming here are not coming here for their religious freedoms. They're coming here for their economic and social freedoms. I'm yes. going to do what I want. And if you ain't going to tell me nothing because you're a nigger, and this is what they, this is what they say to us. Mm -hmm. And we hear it loud and clear. What, one thing I would say though, Sheikh, hear this is no that more. From, from what I've observed, because I've spent a significant time as well in the Muslim world and, and here and, you know, all, all obviously engaging throughout the community, the, the, the African community, everyone, Arab, Desi, everywhere, you know, and, uh, what I have also found, because I try to look at also the human condition. I understand what you're saying, and say like let's let's not let's understand that the ideal vision for Muslims is like a Dar es Salaam, like they have a utopia. Uh, place. Yeah, they they they, they have. There's they no have, utopia, Achi. We're yeah, not, we, no, we but, but I'm saying utopia. not a not a utopia, not a utopia, Sheikh. But I said at least some adil, some justice, uh, some fairness. Uh, and you know, there's an there's a sincere attempt, not piecemeal, where you're just pandering or trying to manipulate people. Are you getting it here? I mean, you know, that, the that, that, that's the state. Like, okay, we make all these conditions for the Muslim lands, but we don't make any of these conditions for the Kafir lands. No, 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 no. no. I'm saying, no, no. I'm not saying that's a condition, Sheikh. I'm saying that let's get that out of the way. That the ideal, I think, deep down in every Muslim heart, is that if there was a fair Muslim country for them to go to, many people would. And there's been a desire. I've, you, you speak to many people. There is that, okay, you know what? If there is, I'm, I'll tell you right now, for example, I'll give you an example. There are many people I've seen in recent years, just because of the recent changes that have happened in Turkey, there's been a huge... Ah! Pardon? Pardon? <laughs> yes. No, no, but, but Sheikh, I'm, I'm giving you the reality on the ground. No, that there are many people that, Muslims that I know that have uh, invested businesses, everything here, and they're not even Turkish, Sheikh. They have moved to Turkey. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think there is a desire for many Muslims to do that. Okay. So let's let's just kind of move that to the side and say, okay, no, that, that we is, can't move that to the side. No, no, but, but for, for the can't. sake of this That's discussion, part of the solution. No, no. Look, I, look if we understand that. I understand that. I understand that. But what I'm saying is what, that. What do you understand? At, uh, what I'm saying is when you look at the human condition, we understand that. To get to the ideal, that's not like a one hop and a skip to get there. You understand what I'm saying? And looking at the, hu the, the human condition for everyone, many people that came from Muslim lands that I've seen, you're right. You're absolutely correct. They weren't religious. They didn't have deen. When they came here, that's when they got deen. You know why? Because then they saw their families being torn up with this See, what happens here, and, and this is experiencing from the Ansar's position, meaning accepting in, we say, hey, warning, don't do this. They say, shut up, we know what we're doing. You guys didn't take advantage of this. We're going to take advantage. And then five, ten years down the line, they say, oh, my goodness, oh, my God, subhanAllah, this is the case. I have to save my family. And then they start getting some deen. And, and that, that's how it happens. You know, but, and now we say we follow in the sunnah. If yeah. we look at the Quran and the Sunnah, we don't find except that most of the prophets made hijrah. 
most of the prophets had to leave the place that they were at and go to some place and, and improve to improve their quality of life. Yeah. And all I'm saying is that when we say, okay, we can't, we, we, we know there's no perfect country in the world, but we're not talking about perfection. We're talking about where we're at and where we, what, what we can have. So mm -hmm. we're in a place that is openly gay. We're in Sodom and Gomorrah. Okay. We're in a place that is killing the Muslims in every place that are killing the Muslims. We are this, these countries are behind those things and we are supporting that. And we act like we're not going to talk about that. We have to be here because I left my country and I came here and we're doing okay now. Yeah. It's nice to be an aristocrat. However, is, is that what our goal was? Or did we say we came here to improve our, or now our objective is to improve our deen? Well, like you said, Turkey is huge. There are other countries out there. There's Indonesia. There are other countries even in Africa, but we don't like those solutions besides a Turkish one. You know, yeah. we don't, we don't, we don't want to take those things. Like, like what I feel is that we, when you understand the human condition and you understand, right, like the way to actually get something done, okay, so like, you know, to, to actually lead people, we need to understand their condition and we have to understand maybe that there are certain steps that you do to get them to a, to an ideal. Leaders need to show the path. They don't just say, hey, that's where you should go and I'm not showing you how to get there. You of course, I totally because, agree. Because, because uh, what happens is that there's individuals who have gone back to, to Muslim lands. That's fine. But I have to appreciate that as a as a community, everyone, if I tell them to do that, I'm not going to get anywhere and they'll just turn me off because it's like this is an unachievable solution for me and I'm just going to turn turn you off, right? right, right. So as steps, a leader, like when I try said, to look at steps. changing people's behavior, I try to understand their condition, where they're at, and then you understand that, okay, operationally that, uh, as you mentioned before, Sheikh, this is chess, this is not checkers, right? <laughs> that checkers we, is pretty tough. Right? So like there's going to be some complex moves and we have to understand the state and situation of people and understand, you know, uh, their condition. Because when you go to the Muslim world, there is a crazy amount of fitna that they're dealing with in the Muslim world. And I need to appreciate the blessings that Allah SWT has given me. So for example, I'll, I'll tell you like the way that my mind churns with this, right? Because I'm, I'm definitely ummah oriented. I'm definitely like, okay, Islam for us. And I don't want to get to that because I feel that with all this human rights talk and the Muslims getting caught up in this effort that they're missing out on a huge opportunity for Dawah. We'll get to that in a second. But I want to, what I want to say is this, is that with every tragedy that Allah SWT puts us through, and of course being chased out of our homes, your ancestors being take, taken as slaves from Africa, uh, from uh, you know, people like leaving a, or being able to contribute to like maybe generations of like uh, of uh, Muslim civilization and, and removing yourself uh, from that, not being able to contribute uh, as well. Yes, those are all uh, effects. Those are sadnesses. And uh, that's a tragedy in terms of the vibrancy of the Muslim world. But one thing that I, I, I felt that this tragedy, maybe Allah SWT stepped on our necks and then there was this spread of, uh, of all of this uh, Muslims exodus everywhere is that here, because we understand what happened, right? Colonization, nationalism, Muslims dividing each other, uh, piecemeal for people to consume. 
Here, I feel there, there is a mercy. There is a benefit. You and I are speaking. People from such very diverse backgrounds. What I've seen, some of the conversations that I've had, we've we've broke down a lot of manhajism in, in, in from, from what I've seen in Dawah in 20 years. We have broken that, you know, our generation and the generation coming up, you know, the immigrants that you talk about, I know it's frustrating. Like the uncle generation, they had like this mentality, a lot of the tribalistic mentality. But our generation, we've broken down that we're like hand in hand. Like, hey, man, the Ummah is so diverse and beautiful. And we have all this diversity of knowledge. We have all this diversity of talent. Man, wouldn't this be so beautiful if like this is together, we're able to do this together as an Ummah, right? Yes, of course. So it's like this tragedy had to happen for us to kind of think of our roots again. It's uh, like, there's, there's a blessing in thing? every – there's a blessing to in To appreciate every... our roots. You know what I mean? To appreciate our roots. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, you know, there is a blessing. And don't don't get me wrong. You know, yeah. because we're talking, I'm just painting a, 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 a version that I believe people need to reflect upon. It's not that I'm saying that there's no benefit that we've achieved, no, no, no good in this time. What I'm saying is if we're going to go forward, you know, the reality is this. The as we're struggling to come to grips with our realities. The government in the United States and globally is putting forth a program, a global program to vaccinate the whole world. And at this moment, we have an opportunity to uh, put some skin in the game and perhaps prevent that from happening. Okay. I don't think that we should go out and help people to give them dawah. I think that we should, our Islam should make us go out and help people because they're human and they need help, you know? And th the fact that they will get dawah is only something that comes as a byproduct as of, as of us helping those people. But you're, but you're talking about two different things. You're talking about... Yes, I am. Uh, so, so, so a person, yeah. So a person who's in need, yes, it's not like it's a, a, a tit for tat that it's a transactional. I'll help you as long as you listen to your message, right? That's that's. But that's, that's how that's how some people put it forward, though. Yeah, yeah. You know that that's not that's not uh, my my intention for that. My intention for this is that Sheikh, look look at the situation right now. You have a system that uh, is basically a material industrial complex. Okay, the the nia of this in, of this system is materialism. Okay. And what we're seeing is the fruits of that chaos, uh, corruption, racism, classism, tribalism, right? So we're seeing this chaos. And I think as Muslims, because many people are putting forth now what is the solution, okay? But Muslims need to put like the solution is not a, uh, a material industrial complex system. The niya should be not to serve materialism. The niya should be to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if the niya is to serve Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the system serves humanity. You understand what I'm saying, Sheikh? Yes. And so I think that proposition needs to be articulated. That part proposition needs to be given to people because in this chaos, it's like clear. Look, this is what happens when you make your niya the dunya. This is when you have the system being a material industrial complex. You have exploitation. You have you you have decades and centuries of people trying to get their human rights and they're unable to do that. Why is that? 
Why is that that they're materially been so uh, isolated and people have been subjugated for so long? You know what I mean? And so I think that these are really relevant questions because at the end of the day, if I can convince you, uh, you know, it's more powerful for me to convince you to give rights to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because then the cascade of that is like countless benefits to humanity. Rather than just saying, okay, you know what, our position on racism is uh, like, you know, everybody is equal. Everybody's on the same page. That's the, do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, it has to be more you, meaningful you for that. Say, you, you just said a few things here, and I, yeah. I'd like to just make a, a point. Yeah. One of the things that you said earlier is that people are on different levels, okay? Mm -hmm. And based on those different levels, you have to address them based on where they're at. Yeah. You know, alhamdulillah, yurabbil alameen. The first thing that we have to deal with is what, what's going on right now. And what's yes. going on right now is that people are locked down. People are afraid. There's a lot of uh, racism going on. And it seems like it's not going to end anytime soon or end well. Mm. So what should we, what should be our immediate action things to do in that regard? One of the things is, is continuing having these types of conversations so that people can um, to, can hear. But I would suggest to you and myself to open up the microphone and listen to what people have to say and ask them and answer their questions and their concerns mm. in the same type of form like we're sitting here. Have some of those people open up and let them ask. You will find that people want to know, what do I do now? When I, when I put out there and said, hey, write the United Nations, I got over, I don't know how many calls and letters and things saying, thank you, I'm going to do that. I'm going to send a letter to the UN because you have to take it out of their hand. I'm going to send it to the African Union. Then I said, hey, boycott, don't spend your money over there, spend your money with the people around you. Now I got some money. That guy over there, he needs money just like me, and I can do something and for him. He could do something for me. This helps the individual right away. And what's, what's it shows your opinion politically? Like, should uh, should Muslims uh, take part uh, in in voting? Should they try to of vote course. Trump out? Of course, Pardon? Muslims. Muslims should. You know, who said that voting is haram? No one says sure. that voting no, is I'm haram. Saying, I'm just asking you uh, your opinion. Okay, well, like, the, the issue is this. It's going to be Allah. any better of an alternative. Okay, we're talking again in stages. So yeah. Allah tells us in the Quran, fear Allah as much as you can. Mm. From amongst the things we get with this is you do what you can with what you can. Mm. So you want to get a person who has more in the better of the two worst things. We have an usul fit principle that when you have you take the one that is the lesser. You take the one that has less harm for you. Now, I think anything would be less harm than Trump. Allah knows best, okay? At this stage of their game, it may be too late to do anything because they're, they're not going to have an election. They're already put off those, those particular things at this time, and Allah knows best. Okay, but there, there is no the election way. is is it November? Is that when the elections will happen? <laughs> Don't I wouldn't hold my breath for it. Okay, yeah. But the point is still the and Allah knows best. The mm. point is still that you know if you want to vote for someone, vote for the one who has your best interest or more of your interests in mind. One person wants to kill you today, the next one wants to kill you in a year. Vote for the one that's going to kill you in a year. Okay, mm. if that's what you have to do. That's the only choice you have at the time. 
But mm -hmm. I say, don't stop there. Let us open our eyes as well and take this as a moment to reflect and look futuristic and say, where is this going? This is something yeah. that the Muslims don't want to talk about. Yeah. Where do you think this is going to get better or worse? Mm -hmm. And if it's going to get worse, then what? how much time do you think you have before you get affected? Most people are just hoping that they personally don't get affected. Mm -hmm. Okay? I personally don't get beat up by the police. Mm -hmm. Okay? Now, that's not going to last. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to be thinking, not me, not me, till it happens to me. And mm -hmm. this is something we learned from watching the Jews. They said we did nothing. Until they came for us, because we yeah. kept thinking, not me, not I, me. I, I think that's that's what I see with, uh, you know, the you know the Trump presidency, is that Muslims I felt were much more apathetic during Obama. Although, if you look at, uh, you know, action and policy wise, there's really like virtually no difference. The rhetoric is different. You know, what I mean? the rhetoric is the rhetoric is different. In fact, Obama killed more people openly than any other president in American history. Yeah, he so, killed Obama killed more American citizens yeah. without due process of the law yeah. than anyone. The purpose of Obama was to take away the blacks' argument that things weren't happening for the blacks. Yeah, more, so that's, the, that's 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 actually system a, was more severe on people many, in America during the Obama um, time than afterwards. Yeah, actually, many uh, uh, there was a, a recent interview by Dr. Cornell West on CNN, and he says we don't need any more uh, black black faces in high places. He, he, I think, the, generally speaking, they've recognized that um, you know that didn't really help their their At their all. situation. Yeah, it didn't really. I help mean, it did. It was a motivator. It's yeah. again, it's evangelistic. But then yeah. you know you you know when you talk about these people you have to know who you're dealing with. Cornell West is also one of the people who worked on all these advertising boards teaching the conglomerations how mm. to sell to black communities. Mm. So you know he's he, this, this guy is an, an open sellout. Yeah. yeah, no 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 like uh but I think just what I'm saying is that generally speaking that people have now they 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 they, they have awoken to the fact that just having somebody who looks like you is not necessarily going to be in your interest and you're serving your self-interest. And, and we're finding that out also. See, the thing that, that one of the things I would like to talk like more realistically for the Muslim community, mm. you know, look what's happening right now. The Kufar are telling you, you have to pray for six feet apart. That's yeah. an issue, you know, yeah. because the Kufar don't determine how we make acts of Ibadah. The Kufar mm. are telling you that you should close the masjid, but then what happens? Not that you have to, because before they said that you have to, then mm. Muslims began rushing to be the better American, the better Canadian, the better person, and closing their masjids and doing these things before there was a, an order to do so. This is the problem. We have a, a system in the Muslim community that wants to dance for boss master, the colonians, and say, I want to be the best American. I'm going to close the masjid. And then the, the other people are saying, hey, we don't want to do that. You shut up. We're going to we're in control over here. You don't have any say. Now, we but, but aren't they doing the same thing in precedence. Muslim countries? Sorry? Aren't they like some of the same practices uh, like here, for example, yes, if it's Muslim countries, those Muslim countries. Muslim-run countries or Islamic countries is a big difference. Yeah, we know, we know that the same leadership in those Muslim-run countries are just as corrupt as you said. That's why you're not there, right? So then we can't play it both ways. We can't yeah. say that those people are corrupt. That's why I left. But look, I'm following them. Look, they're doing it too. No, either they're corrupt or they're not corrupt. Yeah, you get no, my but, point. But would you say so like I, I think one of, the, one of the issues of righteousness. 
Yeah. No, no. What, what I would say, uh, Sheikh, is that when you have an inherent distrust, distrust of authority, right? No, then I have just, an inherent distrust, no, 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 distrust no, no, of authority no, no, here. No, no, no. no, no, no I'm saying the facts what they are. No, no, no. But, but, Sheikh, this is what I, the, the point I'm trying to make is that if you have an inherent distrust, and it can be rightly so, it's justifiable, okay? How many times has authority uh, lied and manipulated a mass, uh, masses of people? So that is 100% justifiable. But like what happens, I think when when people have lost that 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 trust or that faith in their leadership, then like for example, if there was sincere Muslims who said, okay, I haven't heard about this. Like you have to hear that you have to be six feet apart to pray. You know, it just the number of people is restricted. Okay, well, um, that's what they're promoting here in the United States. Yeah, here you can. It's just like you need to keep it to a certain number of people in a I, building. I, obviously, you're not looking. They're doing it at the Kaaba. At the Kaaba, they're praying six yeah. feet apart. No, 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 no. Or they're at the at the Kaaba, they're praying. They're six praying feet six feet apart at okay. the Kaaba. So, so like, um, if for example we had like sincere leadership and they felt okay, we need to do the, do do this because that this is a legitimate threat and maslaha, then uh, yes. That's probably something that we should follow, correct? If, no, that's if not correct. If you trusted, like no, 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 no. Listen like, up. The, the, the leadership doesn't have the right to alter ibadah. See, we have to understand, you know, the rules of of the of, of Islamic law. You know, ibadah is not something you make ijtihad on. Okay, ibadah. The, the asal with ibadah, the fundamental with ibadah is hurma, is prohibition. Can I pray like this? No, I can't pray like this. I can't pray with my hands like this. I have to pray. As the Prophet said, pray like you witnessed me praying. The Kufar cannot say, yo, you changed your salah. We don't have an example of that from the Sahaba. When they had a waba, when they had the plague, they prayed in jama'ah, foot to foot, shoulder to shoulder, or they did not. So the believer has a choice in Islam. Either he prays in the Jama'at the way Allah's Messenger told him to pray, or he doesn't pray in Jama'at. When we make this precedence with some kafir comes and tells you how to pray, and you no, listen no, I, to it. I, I, agree, I agree with you. A kafir should not tell you how to pray. I agree with you. And, 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 these, and these people are following those kafir, and then we're saying, oh, well, the Muslims are doing it. No, the Muslim is following the kafir, and so now we're saying follow the kafir. This is but backwards. Mm. Okay, no, but it, and, but I would and say we if start it's sincere, and by doing this, we, we are starting is, the is telling you not to alter your ibadah, but tells you, for example, okay, in this masjid you can't have more than twenty-five people because they I have. Can a, say I, that. I, pardon? They can say that. So they have. That's something you would accept. They, they can limit how many people come together. Yes. Okay, yeah. but they can't tell you how to pray. Yeah, and you know, no, I hundred percent, hundred percent, I agree. I hundred percent, I agree. Right? I, that, I think that there, and, there's and no, and no Islamic scholar sure. can tell yeah. you to stop praying in the way the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam because there's no obedience to the creation and disobedience to Allah and His Messenger. Hundred percent, hundred percent. No, no. I, I just, I just want us to like differentiate because I don't want people to think, hey, we're sweeping all like you know, uh, Muslim, you know, scholars and leaders, because there are sincere people. There are sincere. It's I, not I an say, issue about sincerity. Yeah, yeah. It's not, we're not saying they're not sincere. There are sincere people and we, and, and of course they have to you're abide by. what's right. They should, yeah, right. The usul, they have to do that, right. It's, I think. Sorry. That's, I didn't they they have to be in accordance with the sunnah, right. It right. has to be in accordance. Because, you know, because they say the road to Jahannam is filled with good intentions. 
Yeah, yeah, no, no, no. You need and let's let's make the equation, you know, very clear. You need the niyyah. You need to be within the sunnah, right? So you need to have both of those things. Uh, and, 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 and like I said, I'm, I wanted to point out those particular things because these are the things that are ailing the community now. We have another group of people who are claiming again. They claim to follow the sunnah and they claim to follow the salaf, and they say, oh, there's no scholars in the West. That's of course in their community. There's no scholars because yeah. they, that's just indicative of who's around them. Yeah, so it's yeah. right for them to say there's no scholars in the West in their community, in mm -hmm. amongst them, okay, mm -hmm. and amongst the, the level of knowledge they have. But that does not mean that there's no scholars anywhere because this mentality mm -hmm. is, again, a colonizer's mentality. Oh, mm -hmm. only scholars come from this one place. If it mm -hmm. doesn't come from Saudi Arabia or Egypt, then we don't accept it. No, mm -hmm. Islam is not in one place. There mm -hmm. will always be a small group of people holding to the sunnah all over the world. Mm. Okay, it is not restricted in that way. They'll be in Pakistan, in India, in Russia, in South Africa, in China, in Brunei, and in South America and Peru. Mm. You know, it'll be all over the place. There's mm. going to be those people. But what is being promoted subtly and sometimes overtly is that mm. if it doesn't come from this one place, mm. then what? these people become the authenticators of Islam. Well, what's what's been your what do you feel is worse, uh, racism or Islamophobia? What what have you found to be worse, or do they have the same roots? Of course, they have the same roots. One is just an, a, a further expression of the other. Okay, yeah. um, racism or Islam or a religious we could call it religious racism or yeah. ethnic racism. Yeah, you know. So when a person you know, uh, ethnic, I'm sorry, religious racism is older than ethnic racism. Mm. Okay? Yeah. People don't realize that. Because when you look at what happened in Mecca, you see that the people did not have an ethnic problem. They had a religious problem first. Yes. Okay? And that leads to a racial ethnic problem. Because, mm. again, racism is based on batar al-haq. So if mm. you have, the, you know, rejecting the truth and looking da down on people, but if you have your deen intact, you're not going to look down on people. You're not going to reject the truth. Mm -hmm. So if you ask me which one is worse, you know, I, 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 I like I said, I see that they're both the same thing. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're both the same thing. I would imagine that Islamic phobia harms us less than racism. Mm -hmm. Okay? Because there's a solution for Islamic phobia. We can or cooperate amongst ourselves. We can go someplace else. Uh, with regards to racism, you're never safe from it. Well, can't you go somewhere else where you're, there's more people who look like you? Yes, you can. That, that is a solution. Mm. Okay? But it doesn't stop there. Since look, look what's happening in Africa. Africa is the largest continent in the world. Yet they're the recipients of the biggest racism of the globe. Mm. Global racism is affecting the African back in his home. I mm. was just watching a program where the French just inv have invaded Mali and are running into villages in Mali where the Muslims are holding them. You're mm. in your village in Mali and this white guy comes up mm. and he pulls a gun on you and he says, show me your papers in your village mm -hmm. to prove that you're not helping the guys in the north who were fighting and trying to steal their gold. Mm. That's that's a that's a your product of racism there. Mm. So going someplace else may not save you from racism. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah.
you know, I like I, I really like, you know, uh, I've read some excerpts of the diary of Malcolm X. And one of the things that he mentions in his diary and I obviously his life was cut short, you know, shortly after him coming back from Hajj. But uh, this, so this is a diary that he kept while he was gone for Hajj and he visited the Muslim world and many African countries. And he had the firm belief, like there's very clear passages that American society needs to know about Islam. He says that the only way we will get brotherhood and overcome racism is through Islam. That was, this, he's like, this is the only thing that can overcome it. Like even he is disregarding like, okay, there's been attempts with like all these different civil rights things and political policies and all these things. But he said at the end of the day, the only thing that is gonna bring people together, like a true brotherhood, he's like, I have never witnessed this, this brotherhood in Hajj, this is what this is what the solution is, you know. See, see you know, you know. Again, uh, it's amazing. You know, we, we, you know, me at my age, we grew up on 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 Al Hajj Malik Shabazz. Mm. Okay, our parents knew him, mm. went with him. You know, the, the people in our community are some of them were his companions. Mm. So we we know about him, and I remember from from a very young age, you know, talking to people who were telling us about him. About El Hajj Malik Shabazz, because it's in our lifetime. Okay, mm -hmm. I remember I'm 52. So this is in all this is happening in our life, in our childhood. So mm -hmm. we know best what El Hajj Malik Shabazz said, and we understand and recognize mm -hmm. what happened after Malcolm. After mm -hmm. El Hajj Malik Shabazz, Shabazz came back and was murdered, what do you have? What do you think happened to the community? Mm -hmm. There was a community in New York that had left the Nation of Islam and followed him, and I'm from that community. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's the same community we come from. Mm. So yeah, we know exactly. And what do you think my ideas I'm saying now about going to the UN? He said that. Yeah, I know. That's what I was I was okay. thinking about that. So so like, so it's nothing, you know, these are our people. The people in the in, the, in my constituents, the ones that I talk to, my seniors, my anchors, these are old Black Panthers. These are old Black Liberation Arms. These are all civil rights and human rights fighters. Mm. Okay? These mm. are the people we're talking about. Mm. So, you know, uh, yeah, it's 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 we, not that not not to say bad, but we don't need to to, to be reminded what Al Haj Malik Shabazz said. Mm. We live it; it's mm. in our hearts. Mm. You know, every day we were born and 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 breastfed off of what he he taught, mm. and been living our whole life. You know, understanding what what cut and snuffed his life out. And the same thing can be said about Marcus Garvey. You know, and the same thing could be said about any of those people who came up. You never hear them talk about Marcus Garvey. You never hear them putting Mark, Malcolm Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz by his name, Al-Hajj Malik Shabazz, you know, mm. and, and where he arrived at in this regard. And we even know the people in the community that took part in killing him. Mm. Okay, we're familiar with those guys too. And they're still around causing fitna in the community like they did back in those days. You know, you know, you know I know you know, but... I, that's why I'm stating it for the viewers because people aren't connected, Sheikh. That's the problem. Is that we're not is connected. That is the problem. They're not, we're not connected. connected with our history. So they talk out the side of their neck. You know? you know what I mean? And so they think that hey, we're we're speaking out as if we're speaking out of, for injustice for the first time. <laughs> there, there's people who sacrificed everything, Sheikh. Their life, their life for that. And we think we sacrifice a few tweets, we sacrifice a few posts, we we click donate a few times, and that is like what activism, that's what standing up for human rights is. Yeah, the, the, you, know, you know, again, like you said, you just, you just reminded me of my father. 
My mm. father and Medgar Evers' older brother were friends. Mm. Okay. And in, when those things happened, my father and those guys went down south. And these all these guys were in the Army Air Corps. There was no Army and there were air, it was Air Force, it was Army Air Corps in that time. And those men went down there and they formed their own police force, an illegal police force. Mm-hmm. But they got their weapons and everything and drove around in cars and they followed the police around. And whenever the police pulled somebody over, a black person, they jumped out the car with their rifles and said, we're watching you. Mm-hmm. We're watching you. Mm-hmm. And that's bold. And mm-hmm. then they came back to New York and they, after they, they couldn't get no more time out off from the Army Air Corps, and they founded Medgar Evers College in New York. This is what they did. Mm-hmm. Okay, And my father was the founding vice president of Medgar Evers College. Mm. So no, this ain't our first rodeo. Mm. Okay, we've been we've been taught this from our oatmeal as children what to do in these situations. Mm. Okay, and we have our old people who are still here guiding us and re- reminding us and letting us know we've gone through Jim Crow to Cointel Pro to SAD to PAG, and now where we're at right now, knowing all these different groups that happen over time. And we recognize it for it is. And we're screaming and saying, hey, man, pay attention to everybody else. Mm. This is not something new. And people say, oh, man, you guys are conspiracy theorists. You don't know. We're doing all right here. All right. Mm. The time has come. Mm. They're at another stage in their game. They're mm. about to put that poison on people. Mm. And if everybody thinks it's all right and everybody wants to look cool and chic, like you said, it's, and, and this type of thing, they do not know what is going to happen next. Mm. And what what I am suggesting to, you know, people who want to is Mm. that we should push for at least safe passage out. Just give us refugee status to get out of here. People say, like you start off, you said America is the strongest country in the world. I beg to differ. America is a straw man, a paper tiger, as the Vietnamese call. They got Mm. their butt kicked everywhere. Mm. They lost in Korea. They lost in Vietnam. They Mm. still ain't got Afghanistan. Okay. Mm. After all these years, Afghanistan, the Taliban still have a majority percentage of the country, but they won't tell you that on TV. 20 years of, of war, of, for what? 20 oh, for, years oh, of- for gas, because it wasn't for nothing else, for mm-hmm. gas. And again, yeah. the people are so ill-informed of mm-hmm. these particular issues, mm-hmm. you know? And, and we talk about aid for Africa and all this other nonsense. Yeah. And I told you that the Kissinger report states the only thing that they're going to do in Africa is depopulate it. Six mm. billion dollars from 1990 to 2000. Mm. North Atlantic European countries, United States and Canada spent six billion dollars in a decade mm. all on birth control in Africa, not mm. to clean the water. You, not you to- know, you know, Sheikh, uh, this is a statistics that's going to shock you or may not shock you. But uh, you know all the aid that they go that they give to Africa, within a day it goes back to the rest of the world in interest payments, you yeah. know, to the International Monetary Fund. For, for, yes, I'm familiar with that. You know, interest payments. Interest payments. You know what I mean? Yes, uh, that, and some of it is for property that they were yeah. built with slave labor. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, no, in Mali and in, in Niger, they have pro- the no. French have property that was built with slave labor that they're paying re- that the Africans in in Mali and Niger are paying uh, rent on today. Mm. So you know, f- France takes five hundred billion dollars out of out of the continent of Africa every year. Mm. You know, Chef- only, so 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 yeah, there's a, there's a whole bunch of stuff going on that people hear these things and they say, oh man, wow, that's too bad, you know, and then they don't do anything about it. Mm. So you know. 
eventually you can't stop and wait for the people to come along. You just got to do what you can do with what you got. You know, you know? Sheikh, I, re I really appreciate the fact that you have uh, a very strong will. And, you know, like I, I followed very closely uh, all the, you know, injustices that occurred with you personally and the fact that you were in prison. We were we were watching very, very closely, the brothers. We, we, had, we had just recently met, right? We had spent some time together again. So for us, it was very shocking. And we were in the wake of Ali Tamimi. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. And it was very disheartening. And one of the brothers actually who was visiting the U.S., um, it's crazy because he was harassed because of the fact that he was the one who paid for your flight to come uh, to Canada to speak at the conference. So he was being harassed. Like, oh, how do you know him and all this? Like they were like harassing him and they detained him for, uh, you know, several hours. And so we were, you know, obviously uh, watching and very concerned. And you spent a significant when it's, it's very heartbreaking for me to hear what you had to endure, like two years of solitary confinement, three years, three, three years, subhanAllah. So three years, this is just what like I, I've read. So you're you're the you're the source that I need to go to. So three years of solitary confinement. Um, and this is make no mistake about it. That is human rights abuse. That is torture. This is like uh, psychologists, human rights activists across the board, this is some of the most brutal way that you can treat a human being. Sure. How, how, how did you keep your will so strong? Because I talked to you, Sheikh, they couldn't, they didn't break you. They, they didn't, didn't break, break you because, they can't break because, me. because, because, <laughs> because I'm, t I'm speaking to you right now. And this is not a man who's broken. This is not a man that's fearing this, like the, the full weight of an authoritarian, structure that tried to like squeeze him his life out this is a man whose will was unbroken so how how did you keep your will so strong sheikh like i think we need to hear this you know uh, one of the things that i was concerned about when i was in um, solitary confinement was that you know, because they had a camera on me 24 hours a day. I want to make it clear. The solitary confinement was no windows, no even structure of windows, just brick totally around you, you know, and you're like in an underground um, cell. So you know that you're underground, okay? And that's supposed to cause you to get claustrophobic, mm. okay? Uh, but Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, makes it easy for whomever he makes it easy for. Mm. And I kept making dua that Allah would not allow the kuffar to laugh at me. Okay? And that I would represent Islam properly in, in, under these circumstances and not be a cause for the, 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 the kuffar to say, look, we got him. We broke him. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made it that I, you know, I didn't break under those circumstances. It wasn't until after I was they let me out of the room, the, 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 the cell. I looked back at the room and I saw for the first, when I was leaving, the first time I said, man, I, when I looked into this, I said, man, that is a small room because it's the size of a, of a bathroom, mm. okay? Where you would have a tub, that would be the brick because it's not even a bed. It's just bricks on the floor, a little mm. bit raised up so you can sleep on that. And then the toilet and the wall and you can touch it almost by raising your hands open. It's a little bit longer then you can go like this and touch your finger on the wall. So mm. it's not that open, but Allah didn't make it feel cramped while I was in there. And then 
when I came out, I got to look and see, ooh, subhanAllah, that was very small. So again, and I was also wanted the young people because I got lots of mail. And I wanted the young people to know that this is, don't beautify this, okay? Mm. You know, because I don't know when I'm getting out of here. Mm. You know, this, I don't know what the sun looked like for three years, okay? Or, and that's why I wear glasses now because my eyes are affected. I can't take the open sun no more. They turn dark when I get into the sun, okay? Mm. Be, because of this, you see how much gray I've gotten. I walk with a cane now, okay? So, so the, the thing about it is, that I didn't want young people to think to glorify it in a way that doesn't need to be glorified. This mm -hmm. is what we do. We talk about jihad. We talk about we want to be a mujahid. Walhamdulillah. Mm -hmm. You know, we don't look for it, but we don't run from it. Mm -hmm. And we don't glorify it so we can stomp our chest. The, the, the victory go, belongs to Allah. Okay? Mm -hmm. The victory goes to Allah. So, mm -hmm. alhamdulillah, I, I, I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for making it easy. I did nothing. Okay, but make dua and ask Allah to make it easy for me and to make it easy for my family. So alhamdulillah, and it was, and, but I don't want anybody to think that it was easy. It mm. wasn't easy. And I heard people screaming and I heard people commit suicide. And, and these things you hear through the walls. Mm. Okay, and it is, and, and it, it is, it is uh, uh, shocking. Mm. Okay, to go through it. And then I heard them put crazy people in and you hear them screaming and doing things and you hear them gassing them and you can smell it coming through the walls when they gas somebody it lingers. And when someone dies and someone's bleeding, they leave the blood there till someone else gets the room. So and so you smell it and it's in your food. Okay? So you know, these are realities of that particular situation and this is what they do and I was innocent of all charges. Mm. Okay? But alhamdulillah, you know, alhamdulillah, we don't sit there and dwell on that, though, too. Mm. May Allah make, make it a means to wipe away all my sins. Mm. Okay? And now we go forward because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made a message for me to be in there. And that was for me to learn sabr and to get to know what's going on with the people. Okay? Mm. I'd been out of the country. I hadn't known what's going on with my fellow man. Mm. But in there, I got to know. I got to hear. Mm. People would come and talk. Even the guards came and talked to me through the wall. And mm -hmm. tell me different things and ask me questions and I would give them solutions. Alhamdulillah. After some time, you know? So mm -hmm. Alhamdulillah, um, you know, Alhamdulillah, you have to be patient and we have to be grateful. Sometimes, you know, Wallahi, I wake up in my bed and I, my eyes are closed and I wonder where I'm at. Subhanallah. Because you're in ISO. Sometimes when you're in ISO, you wake up and you think you're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. And you say, oh, I'm out. I got out. And mm -hmm. then you move and you're back in that cell. Or someone visits you in the cell. You say, what are you doing here? My wife visited me in the cell. What are you doing here? She says, oh, I came to visit you. Oh, mashallah, sit down, you know. Then, then I get up and fall off the floor. And I say, oh, man, I'm oh. just in the cell. Yeah. So, you know, sometimes that still bothers me. I wake up and I say, where am I? And I look yeah. around and I say, oh, I'm still here. I'm yeah. free. SubhanAllah. So I never want to live that again. Mm. But, you know, and I don't forget it, but I don't make it stop me. Okay. Mm. It's yeah. not going to stop me. Mm. They didn't make me. They didn't break me. Subhanallah. Allah is the victory. Alhamdulillah. You know, Allah makes whatever he wants. Sahlan. Okay? Subhanallah, Sheikh. You know, when you're saying that, like myself, I experienced something for two years, not to the extent, not even a, 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 a speck of what you went through, but I experienced something for two years where day in, day out, like, 
my religion was like brought into my face and it was basically a you know this type of situation islamophobic racial situation day in day out and subhanallah for like only recently so for like nine to ten years i i i understand what you're saying with those dreams i would literally imagine myself in, in that situation and i'm like okay what am i gonna do now and and it's so real and then you get up and you take time to say hey wait a minute no no i'm not in that situation anymore like you get your bearings and so subhanallah like this only recently stopped like so for like almost nine years i would have these nightmares and it would feel so real and i'd be clenching my teeth like i cracked you know some of my teeth because of that and so like these like these these nightmares essentially uh how do you deal with that how do you deal with these with, with these nightmares and these these feelings that you have within yourself uh you know sheikh you know, Alhamdulillah, you know, Bilal, I mean, uh, uh, those things I was saying, I do, I wouldn't describe them as as nightmares for myself. You yeah. know, like like because you're in ISO, you're not talking yeah. to anyone, so the mind yeah. compensates. No, no, but I'm saying now that you're out. That now that I'm out, with, like yeah. waking up, you know, uh, I I stopped having nightmares many many years ago because when my sheikh told me that it's just shaitan trying to bother you and that you know if you make du'a in your dreams. You know, the shaitan is not going to bother you anymore. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave me victory over those um, particular types of things. Mm. However, what I did when I first came out, I, I saw, I made dua when I was in there because they took my mushaf for a mm. year. Okay. Mm. And I didn't have any mushaf, but some of my students used to write me Quran and my children would write me pages of Quran like it was a letter. And so, so that I would get Quran that way. You know, alhamdulillah. For, and those were my Canadian students as well. Alhamdulillah, they were sending me Quran. And some of my, my students in, in Ms. Wissam uh, in, in Texas, and, and they would send me Quran like that in my students. And I would be reading the Quran like that. So I said, you know what? I'm a half of the Quran. I want to, when I get out, memorize all 10 qiraat. I hope I can do that. So when I got out, Sheikh Uthman Khan in, from Canada, He's up there oh. with you guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he gave me, he heard that I wanted to do that, and he yeah. gave me the opportunity, and he taught me the 10 qira'at. So the first thing I did as soon as I got out, I, I got connected to Sheikh Uthman Khan, and I spent the next two years just studying, I'm sorry, three years with Sheikh Uthman Khan. The first three years I got out of prison, I was with Sheikh Uthman Khan. We went over the 10 qira'at the first year. The second two years, we went over the 10 qira'at in Kubra. And then I went with uh, Sheikh Umar Khan, his brother, and I went over the four shadh. So it took me three and a half years to do those um, qira'at, those 10, and then the four shadh with him. That was my rehab. Okay? That's, so, no, that's right. Going back to the Quran, because it's a shifa. Yeah. And that's the healing that I need in every every week every time we're going through the quran every we went through the quran so many different times through all the different kira'a okay and that's what, what i did and i suggest anybody who's having you know spiritually emotional issues to go through the quran okay mm. the quran is a shifa mm. okay surah duha it's a it's it's the surah duha alam nashra laka sadr these are the cures for depression subhanallah you know in these ayat because what Allah is telling you in these in these particular ayat how to alleviate the the, the harm. Instead of talking about all the bad stuff, talk about all the good stuff that the ni'mah of Allah that has got you. Okay? Go to the poor person and feed them. Okay? Go to the person that doesn't have and give them. This will give you such a high. And it will defeat that all those negative thoughts. Right? 
And this is what these two surahs, look at what duha wa layli idha sajah. You know, look at the, the beautiful morning time. Look at the night when it's peaceful. Your Lord has not, is not angry at you. Mm. He ain't left you, you know? Mm. And, and that hereafter is going to be better for you. Okay? So, mm. every one hardship you get so many yusura, so many yusura. So when you finish doing one act of ibadah, turn to another act of ibadah. As Imam Malik said, the ways to Allah are many. Some mm. people get there by dua. Some people get there by dhikr. Some people get there by fasting. Some people get there by standing at night, reading Quran, giving sadaqah, doing what you're doing right now, teaching. Mm. And so when you get, you know, a little bit bored with one, do another. Mm. And then we look at the na'alam nashra laka sadaq. Didn't Allah open your heart? You could be just like everybody else who's blind. Okay? Then he lift alleviate your burden that was going to break your back. And we've been through those situations. Mm -hmm. I can't never complain. Every day is a holiday and every meal is a feast. Mm -hmm. I lived in that prison, in that isolation for three years and didn't know how long I was going to be there. Mm. Okay? So I'm Allah lifted that burden for me. What can I complain? Mm. How can I complain? I didn't do anything. The court could have rejected me. Mm. Right? Mm. So it's only by the mercy of Allah. If somebody wants, then I, I respond to them, even if it's just making and dua, dua, right? And so this is what we're supposed to do to alleviate those hardships, those wiswas of shaitan, mm. in my estimation. You know, mm -hmm. and this is why I think that as a Muslim, we are obligated to be the most human people on the planet. Mm -hmm. The most human people on the planet. Mm -hmm. You know, no. Sheikh, uh, I would, you know, you're probably aware of it, but I'll remind you of the hadith of our Rasul Sahih Muslim, where he says the person, the most person who had the most miserable life. You know, yeah, so much, you know that. On the yom salama, yom, salama. Yeah. Allah says it Allah SWT will just dip them in Jannah and ask them, did you ever have any hardship in your life? Did you have any distress? And they'll say, no, but Allah, I never had a single distress, you know? So I hope you to be, I make dua that you're in the highest place in Jannah, uh, Sheikh. And for me, uh, I don't think you're just an inspiration to Muslims. The world needs to look at you as an inspiration for what you endured. Because you were tortured, you were shown no humanity. Yet the system that caged you does not have the atom's weight of the heart and the soul that you have shown. From what I see from you, that you could have came out of prison wanting to burn the world down. You know, like if you look at the protesters, they're trying to burn. They're just trying to burn everything. You came out. You could have had that hatred in your heart to burn everything down. But you came out. You took care of your family. Uh, you took the role of a teacher. Uh, you took the initiative to advise people and try to bring people together. You took the initiative to speak out against injustice. And I hope my dua is that you will be taken from amongst the abrar, that you'll be taken amongst the, the Ahlul Jannah, that, uh, that you will be taken amongst the Mukhlisin, the Salihin. You know, that's, this is my dua, that you'll be taken amongst these types of people because I want to... You know, let all those haters out there who out there that hate does not give you strength to endure. It doesn't. It you doesn't give you the strength to overcome, nor does it give you the strength to give. 
Yeah, they're shooting right now. They're, they're out there shooting right now. Subhanallah. What time is? Yes, it's that time. Yeah, and they're doing. See what are happening now in North Carolina is mm. the poor people are, are are robbing people as they come out of Walmart with their groceries, and they're just stealing the groceries. They're not taking any. You know, they 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 um, taking their carts. So, you know, but they're only doing it to women. So you go with your people to the thing, and some of the other people said they're ran, they're running into people's houses. So you gotta keep your 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 curtains closed so they don't want to think that you have anything. And Allah knows best, you know, these types of, of things are happening. And um, we just have to be careful. They're happening in, around us, you mm-hmm. know, not, not on top of us. May Allah bless us. We, we ask but, Allah to protect you and your family. And all yeah. of us, everybody, you know, everybody. The, the you know, Ummah, yes, the Ummah, the Ummah. And we, we really appreciate your, uh, your, your time that you've given us, Sheikh. You know, uh, at the end of the day, like, we all may not uh, agree on every single point but i think fundamentally we we understand that our duty our purpose in life is to worship allah that it is to allah that we will return and we try to live as much of an upstanding life as we can in this world so then we can be able to face allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with uh our deeds we'd have something to lean upon upon We'd have some deeds to lean upon yeah. on you know, Sheikh. So, uh, inshallah, we want to get you back on the, you know, on the podcast in the future. And uh, we think appreciate- about my idea, man, having people call in, you know, yes. and, and, and I just want to say, may Allah make me not hold me to account for the good things you say about me and forgive me for the things that you don't know about me and, you know, make me better than what they all say about me. And, and, and alhamdulillah, I mean, jazakallah khair for the opportunity to come and 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 uh, speak on the program. I wish we could argue about something, but we agree on a lot of things. You know? we, we agree mostly. I think you know it's it's the details. You know what I mean? It's like yes. it's the it's the operational plan. You know what I mean? Uh, that uh, and and at the end of the day, that's what I think is important. Even with with racism and all these different issues and plagues. At the end of the day, you first you have to start off with clean hearts. It's a it's a heart issue fundamentally. It is. It is totally you can't, that. You can't Let's get it on the that way. It's yeah. a heart issue. Wallahi. Yeah. You can't legislate injustice away. It starts with the heart. You know what I mean? You can have the same – you say, oh, we have the same rules for everyone. No. The heart that that applies that rule to somebody that you hate is going to be different than the way that you apply it to somebody that you have love for. And so, uh, you know, I think that's – if we can make our hearts clean, especially us as Muslims, that's what's going to bring us together. If we can turn to Allah – because as Allah SWT told uh, us in the Quran, He told Rasulullah that if you had spent everything on the earth to bring the people together, you could you would not be able to do it. But it was Allah that brought uh, brought, brought you together, you know. So if we turn to Allah, then Inshallah Taala we can uh, we can come together and we can see this Ummah as leaders uh, instead of those uh, just being followers. So Jazakallah Khair, Sheikh, for the moments that you have spent with us. Um, you know, our heart was you know just it was it was wrenching every time we'd hear. Uh, the situation that you were in, and uh, you know, like I said, I, I make, I make, uh, I make all the du'a for you, and we appreciate the whole team here appreciates uh, the time you've contributed here, and uh, like I said, let's let's stay in touch, and we'll keep uniting upon the khair. And so, to our viewers, inshallah, our next podcast is going to be Saturday uh, afternoon, two p.m. MST, one p.m. Uh, PST. And remember, uh, we want to live by the haq, die by the haq. And, you know, just when you think life is stuck, tune in to life haq.
Alright, Jazakallah khair. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Do I feel that the New York police are providing enough protection or do I have to have protection of my own? I look for protection from Allah.